Hi, I'm Sarah Grace McCandless, and this is On Brand, where we take a closer look at this growing desire for true connection between people and the companies that they engage with. You know, on the show, we've had a lot of different guests representing a number of different industries from what's categorized more in a B2C, a business to consumer space or a B2B space, some that kind of do a little bit of both, some that um, are a little bit more membership driven, maybe have a nonprofit or community give back extension. We've had people who've been on from specific brands and organizations, and we've also had a number of really um, interesting thought leaders and subject matter experts that can speak to a number of different areas. And my guest today is one of the most sought after thought leaders in her space. I'm so excited to have her on. And she's going to talk a little bit about uh, the space that she works in that we haven't really gone too deep in yet. But I think there's a lot to learn from what happens in her world, which is very association based. We're going to talk about what that means as well. Kiki La Italian is the founder of Association Chat, which is a really fantastic online community and podcast. Her content, ranging from blog posts, her podcast, her social media posts, reaches over 72,000 people on a monthly basis. And she's been at this for quite some time. So she really knows something about this space, both in terms of a digital experience and connection and in the offline world as well. Kiki, welcome to On Brand. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I really like you are somebody I have admired for years and years. And you built this sort of empire, um, the way I see it, at least as you're now, I guess I'm your publicist right now. But I love it. Let's start with you. Um, tell tell my listeners a little bit about your background. And what was the trajectory that kind of got you into the space that you're in today? Well, um, so my background is a little bit different. For every person that goes into the association realm, the association industry, um, very few, like there's like two people in the entire history of all of this that has ever on purpose done that. But um, my history was starting out working in marketing and I really thought I was going to be a journalist initially, Mm -hmm. went into marketing and it's basically the same thing. And uh, and then I ended up in the association world where I started at the very beginning of all of this social media stuff, helping to build communities for all kinds of different associations. And that ended up bringing me to where I am now. So, yeah. Uh, well, and let's talk about associations. So, uh, you know, we hear this term a lot. It's used in different ways. Talk to me about what that means. It's kind of the vocabulary, the lexicon here. How do you define an association? Well, so associations are kind of this weird, funky organization type. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people get confused about uh, what an association is because they think, oh, it's it's like a charity or something like that, or it's a homeowners association or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's very different. I mean, really what an association is, is it's a gathering of people around a common mission or cause. And that definitely falls into the nonprofit category. But while all associations are nonprofits, not all nonprofits are associations. Mm. So there are charities, there are all kinds of different uh, types of nonprofits. An association is focused on uh, its membership. So the members are driven around a common cause or purpose. 
Um, that can be something, that mission can be something that is serving an industry. So it could be like a trade association, or it could be something that is uh, supporting a science. So like, for example, you know, the Optical Society of America or something like that is a 501c3 tax status uh, of a nonprofit, but that's an association that's focused on, you know, the endeavor of disseminating knowledge, the knowledge of optics versus something like a, a trade association where they'd be supporting the industry and um, all of its members and, and providing them with services and products. So would something like the Retail Industry Leaders Association, would that be more of an example of a trade association then? Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking uh, when I talk a little bit about that too, sort of, um, I mentioned that the the onset of this conversation, B, the terms B2B and B2C, and, you know, I want to ask you a little bit more about that and, and how that matters or doesn't matter in this world. But first, I want to talk a little bit more about vocabulary again. So we've defined association, love the differentiation between that and uh, nonprofit you started to talk a little bit about um, some overlap there. Any other similarities or differences to keep in mind um, as we think through association versus nonprofit? Okay, so here's the magic of here's the magic of the association. So there's an association for everything. That's what we mm -hmm. always like to say, and and there really is if you think about it. Barbershop quartets. Yep, they've got an association. <laughs> uh, they really do. Uh, they really, really do. But the thing is, is that th this is uh, the the organization of the association is built around membership. So in recent years, we've really um, started talking in in all all realms of business about what membership means. You know, the membership economy and stuff. We can we can feel like we're members of all kinds of different things, for profit and nonprofit. But the association is the OG of, of membership communities, right? I mean, these associations started out as guilds back in, way back in history. And one of the first, um, de Tocqueville, when, when he came through the United States, um, one of the big things about America was that uh, it had all of these guilds, these associations. So this has been a real differentiator for the United States um, and how things have progressed in society. And it's still the same thing today. Be associations serve not just the members, but the reason that they get the tax breaks is because ostensibly they also serve society. Mm. So um, the big differentiator there is that while they're focused on, you know, serving their membership first and foremost, as a result of that, this is helping industries do the best that they can and support workers and support support sciences and support the betterment of society as a whole. And so the, the big reason why we want to have associations is because they're not profit driven. They're driven around this this purpose around this mission and it is to to receive that that tax status they have to be focused on not just the bottom line they have to be focused on their mission and that is such a key thing because um you know a, a big issue that was facing associations in recent years is that there was this push for associations to become more nimble and more agile. And so 
for some people, you know, they looked as leaders of their associations to the for-profit world as, okay, how do I do that? How do I become more innovative and, and move quickly so that we can be at the forefront for our industry? And there was a little bit less focus put on the, the membership, the support of the membership. And for those organizations, when something like COVID happens, you know, they've ended up having a little bit of an issue because they focused less on that supporting the membership and building that loyalty and building those relationships there. It became more transactional. And so for some of them, they've suffered as a result of that. Mm -hmm. But for the bulk of associations, there's been an interesting thing that's happened. And that has been that membership has has sustained or even grown. And that's because when, when times are hard, you need to go to a place that you trust. You need to go to a place that's not driven by the bottom the bottom line, but it's driven by how are you doing? How, how are we supporting you? What, how successful are you in your job, in your industry? Um, or, hey, industry, how healthy are you right now? What can we do to make sure that we advocate on Capitol Hill to make sure that you're doing the best that you can? Yeah. So, so that intention and that purpose is what brings that magic into what an association is. They are so focused on and should be so focused on membership and developing those relationships and developing that value there in those in community that um, that's really a great strength. Well, and you you said you took the word literally out of my mouth, community, because I'm listening to you talk. I love hearing this history behind association too. And you started to touch on uh, what was the impact, uh, particularly of the last year, which again is a is a topic that comes up in most of the conversations I'm having. How can it not, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it's impacting everyone. Let's talk about community. I'm hearing that, you know, in fact, memberships didn't decline. They either stayed steady or in increased. And it sounds like because there's a this is connected to that desire for community. What does community mean in the association space? So community, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> community is huge and it can mean yeah. a lot of different things. When you say community, I mean, you know, that's one of those words that's sort of a catch all for like right. uh, community is like. I wear black and blue and you wear blue. So community of the blue wearers, you That's know, right. <laughs> but, but for associations, um, it's really about, it's about five things, you know, it's about bringing people together so that they're part of the same tribe where they recognize that they're part of that same tribe. That means that, so that's one, you know, mm -hmm. I, I am part of this group and you're part of this group and we are able to recognize that in each other. There's shared experience. So there's, and that usually, that used to come from like annual meetings and trade shows and things like that, where people were able to engage uh, in person. Lately, more of a focus has been in that online engagement where their, their, you know, online communities have come really into the forefront for the association world if they hadn't been already. There's the shared purpose. And of course, that's that's really at the heart of every association like we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. There's the shared resources. And that's the, hey, practical reasons of why we're all doing this together is we can share our knowledge. We can share our research. We can share our jobs. We can share mm -hmm. all of our, our information within this group so that we all benefit each other. 
And then finally, and this is the big key, and this is the thing that anyone can learn from associations or anyone, we all need to learn this lesson, and that is trust. So the, the fifth, and that's the, that's the most important element of a community, is the trust. And the reason, again, why associations are able to oftentimes have that when other types of organizations don't is because there is this underlying understanding that they're not just there for the transaction. They're not just there for the bottom line. They're to make a buck. They're there because of a purpose of a mission and to support their membership. And when an association ends up finding themselves in trouble, it's usually because that has come into question. Why are you, what you hear, the biggest complaint is, um, I'm just a paycheck member, right? They just want, they just want my dues. They don't, they don't really want me. They don't want my involvement, my engagement, my participation, my vol, you know, they don't want me to volunteer and be involved. They just want my money. And when you know, it becomes a transaction, that's when it's over. I, and I'm listening to you say this and then, you know, I'm thinking through, there's so much, there's so much that correlates here. If you take that relationship and dynamic and you put it into like a brand consumer space, wouldn't you say, I mean, I'm thinking like when a consumer starts to feel like I'm just either a, a dollar amount to you or not. And the experience, yeah. the trust, the community isn't a part of the, that brand to consumer. Do you think there's something for brands to learn and take a page from the association space here? In oh, terms of community? Yes, 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 yes. And yeah. actually the smartest brands do this. Like you, yeah. you can look at them and you can see where they're they're definitely doing that that part of you know, whenever you buy something and you feel like you're part of a bigger community, like part of a bigger group, that you're more than just a transaction, that you're doing something together. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's that is membership. That is that is something where you feel like you're you're part of something greater than yourself and that you're getting something from it, but somebody else is too. Yeah. And that feels good. You know, that's yeah. that's beneficial for so many different reasons. But it's also, you know, I mean, we could go into like the the science behind like why we feel this way there, mm -hmm. you know, humans have become, we've evolved to depend on each other. So we need community. So we need to feel, especially in times where we're stressed or we're emotional or we're, you know, we don't know how our kids are being educated because, oh, a pandemic's come along and suddenly they can't meet in person as easily. Um, whenever there are times of uncertainty, we make decisions differently and we begin to ask more questions. And this is something that I've been really focused on this past year, because that's when you take an element that's already incredibly important, like trust, and then you amplify that times 10, because if ever you were going to ask questions, it's now because there is uncertainty because you aren't sure of what's going on around you. So you're going to ask more questions about why this organization is making the decisions it is, how they're communicating with you, you know, what, what is it that they're saying that they're going to do and are they actually doing it? And mm -hmm. all of these things matter more in times of uncertainty. We pay so much more attention. And if you think about it, there's a good reason why, I mean, you know, we're, we're, you know, surviving, we're figuring out what's safe and, you know, what can I rely on? Whom can I trust? You know, and if the answer is 
not them, not you, then there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Great point. And I think that this was like bubbling up before, you know, 2020, you know, I think it was something that was already kind of coming to the surface and then it was maybe um, fast forward in the last year in terms of, you know, we were thrust into this place of uncertainty um, for sure. Um, You know, you talked about trust being really key and I'm curious do you think that trust should be a measurement? And do you think that most brands and companies are uh, accounting for trust as a measurement today? So, you know, so there have been people, there there have been organizations that have tried to measure trust and, and do try to keep track of trust. So there's like mm-hmm. um, the trust index comes out every year mm-hmm. and that's something where, and it, ha- it has updates to it along the way. Um, how do we trust, you know, media and, and tracks this all throughout the different countries and how that changes, how, how much do we trust our non-governmental organizations? How much do we trust uh, our, poli- our politicians? It is important to measure, but I think that actually what we need to do is rely less on these overall, you know, um, what does this region feel about trusting you know, your, you know, businesses and things like Mm -hmm. that. And we need to individually start figuring out, you know, where do we rate on trustworthiness? Because first of all, trust you can't buy. You know, you can look at technology and you can buy a a lot of different things. One could argue that that's what blockchain is all about, but we're not there yet, you know? And so you can't just go out, I can't just go out and spend X amount of dollars and end up with trust, right? I don't I don't have that. Think about some of the the wealthiest people in the world and how much trust people have. <laughs> I'm like, I promise you, you can't buy it. So so like, how do we do this? How do we actually how do we teach people or cultivate trust on purpose through our communications? That is something that is worth so much more time than any marketer is giving it right now. Because I think that if you were to look and measure, you know, we we spend so much time on worrying about our SEO. How are you optimizing for trust? You know, if before you send, before you post that thing, before you send out that email, you know, how are you optimizing for trust? And if the answer, if you can look at this and you can say, I have purposefully built in trust, here is how I've done it. You know, that's a good thing. But I think most of us don't think about that. And what I mean, like, I'm kind of on a mission to actually change the way that that works, because I think that individually, we have to think about this more. You know, we have things that have entered into our vernacular that like ghosting, right? That <laughs> didn't exist 20 years ago. <laughs> but suddenly there are stories I I know I personally know people who have had employees ghost them where they just suddenly don't show up again. Right. And I mean, like this happens. So, so something is happening culturally where we have challenges to not just cultivating and and maintaining trust, but, but we're, we're sort of in this really weird place where it's like, okay, we need to reestablish what we're agreeing to do as humans, you know, in normal relationships here. Mm-hmm. And I think that because there are things like ghosting, 
that we all know about where somebody just disappears or we're texting and suddenly we're not, or I emailed you and I have no idea what happened, but I know you exist because you posted on Twitter the other day. Um, we have to figure out how we have to build trust on purpose back into our, our uh, communications because I am looking for proof that you're going to be another person that doesn't do what they say. And we're training each other that way. And so, I mean, not you and me, I'm, I'm saying that. culturally, right? You would <laughs> yeah. never do that to me. No, always yeah. I will never ghost you either, ever. I won't do I, that to you. I, I mean, um, we'll test. I'll see it. I know. I, you know, <laughs> brought that up. I, I started thinking about, um, I've never done that. And then I remember yeah. when I had a summer job out in Bend, Oregon, I had two jobs and I had a main job at a restaurant and then a side job at a store. And I did the side job for like a month. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I had one of my friends who was living with me in the house call and pretend to be me and quit. Uh -huh. So that was about the closest I got to just totally ghosting. I just like quit, but it wasn't me. It was my friend Carrie pretending to be me. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, there's a lot to unpack in that psychology there. That's for a different show, I think. But it maybe it. There's it a lot to unpack with that. Yeah, that's that, also hilarious. And I, I feel know, like I feel so, I, and my my empath in me still wants to apologize to that store manager, and who knows where that person is now. But uh, <laughs> I would never do that now. But I think you're right. Like like, why are we doing this? And you talked about trust too, and and I love what you had to say about that. I think it is hard to know how to measure that, but we we better start figuring it out. And yeah. it's not just in the words that we say, but you also said something that really hit right in my heart is in the actions that we take. Cause otherwise it's just words on a website, you know, and um, it's yeah. empty promises. And if I think about a brand and consumer relationship, trust is key in every stage of the journey. I am at the point of being aware of who you are and deciding to become your customer. Trust key um, support. Maybe something's gone wrong. You've made a mistake. That's going to happen. It's still humans behind the companies and the brands. So we're going to make mistakes, but I trust that you'll show up and try to make it right, you know? And then yeah. if I trust you, I'm going to advocate for you and you're going to retain me as well. So it's this through line in here too. Um, I think it is a little bit difficult to measure, but I look at your world and the association world and you've got, to me, almost like the association world was way ahead of its time because your pillars are trust, community, membership, and purpose. And I want to come back to that. You said that at the beginning too. I think again, we're, we're really shifting towards um, wanting to engage with companies where they are purpose-led, they are transparent about it. And it's not just in the products that they make, but the actions they take, their employee experience, um, are you seeing this? Uh, how does this play out in, in, in your space? And you work with so many different associations. Are there any nuances um, between the types of organizations and uh, um, associations that in, that you've worked with when it comes to purpose? There, there's definitely, there are definitely nuances. And I think that when associations are their strongest, they are constantly looking at their value proposition and how connected they are to that, that mission, that purpose and communicating that, you know, one of the things that I, I think can hurt an association that I've seen is, is when they get pulled away from, they get so caught up in the, you know, being more like a for-profit, right. Where they're mm -hmm. so focused on the let's, make a profitable service, a profitable 
product. Let's make a profitable thing, you know, and it becomes this line item that they're so focused on that they lose sight of, you know, what was our original purpose and do our members feel like we're actually supporting that? I mean, one of the things that an association has to do is constantly to its board of directors prove, you know, over and over again, that they're, they're somehow serving the membership the best way possible. And so that executive director goes in and, you know, is able to keep their job because they're able to show the board, hey, you know, I'm leading this organization in the way that it needs to be led. And so it's a really, it's, it's a very tricky dance um, that I think, you know, associations, they're, they're, I, f I love associations because I think that, um, they're able to achieve so much. They're advocating on Capitol Hill. They are, you know, pursuing something that is for the greater good or for the good of their people. There's so many good things that they're doing. Um, but from association to association, you know, it, it depends. There are a lot of nuances between how they do that. And I think that you know, it's interesting to note that one of the big challenges in recent years has been how many for-profits have understood that, that that ability to provide a mission and to provide uh, membership is so important that that's become a big uh, challenger to associations because you can be a member of a for-profit that's doing good work and be proud and feel like they're serving you, except it's not set up as a non, as a nonprofit, right? It's not set up right. as an association. And there have been discussions, you know, in recent years where that's been brought up, like, how do we feel about the fact that the for-profit world is coming up with more comp competition for associations mm -hmm. that never saw that before? Yeah. And so certainly there's a lot to learn from it. Um, there are definitely for-profits that have already learned it <laughs> you know, yeah. and are continuing to. But I think that, you know, you come back to how can you prove that trust? Because why is it, why is it that associations have had it all this time? And it's more than just because, you know, they've got .org in their domain. Mm -hmm. It's because they are able to provide a, a deeper purpose, a deeper mission for why they're doing what they're doing and that they're driven to do that, not just for, you know, making a profit, specifically not to make a profit, but to do something that's, that's serving this mission and serving its people, right? right? The people who are around that mission. And so, um, so it is, it is challenging for associations to remember what their differentiator really mm -hmm. is and to hold on to that because that is the, the greater value um, while still being innovative, while still, you know, growing and, and trying to be nimble and trying to, to move quickly in a world where so much is changing so, so fast. You know, is there a difference if I think about, and, and correct me if I don't have this right, but if I think, if I try to take sort of a B2C, B2B terminology and apply it in the association space. So I think, like I mentioned, the retail industry uh, leaders association. Yeah. To me, that would be more of like a B2C because uh, the members of it are then directly interacting with a consumer versus like uh, the National Human Resources Association, where then their members 
are HR leaders within an organization. So it's about more of the employee experience. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, so if that's correct, uh, is there a difference in what drives these organizations or are there a lot of common denominators there? I mean, there's a lot of common denominators there, you know, and we we had a discussion before about my, you know, how I feel about this whole B2C, B2B idea mm-hmm. of, of communication, because ultimately it's human to human, you know, like right. I'm not writing to a business or an organization and that organization this this entity thing is responding to me and making a decision, right? It's a person that's representing that organization. So it's like, um, if I get too removed from thinking of, you know, if I if I think about it as writing to a group versus writing to a human, I I, I suck all the energy and value out of what I'm saying. Right, <laughs> so I right. feel like I fail. I feel like I fail as a communicator. But with that said, yeah, there are different things. There are different drivers on on what people are looking for when they're reading that communication. So for associations that are focused on maybe it's, uh, you know, they have, you know, an institutional membership or something like that. I was just talking to um, the Italia, um, Italia Convention Bureau um, based in Florence yesterday, and they're actually not a... a like a visitors bureau or something like that, but they are comp- they're an association comprised of organizations that support um, like different destinations and support tourism and all of that for Italy. So they're an organization of organizations, and when they're reaching out their membership, um, what they're trying to communicate. Yes, they're reaching out um, to these organizations. But it's the people representing them who are all trying to achieve some something. Right now, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, tourism's down. Like nobody wants to travel to COVID land, right? You know, like and everywhere is COVID land now. Nice. So, so like, how do we make people feel safe for them? The trust question becomes, you know, how can we communicate to show that we're handling things, what yeah. we're doing? How do we show um, some of the digital options that we have? How do we make people feel safe? to invest in future engagements with us in a time when things are uncertain. So like a lot of the, the questions that they have around uh, the value of community and membership for that particular association, what they're trying to communicate to their members at this moment is we're here for you. We know it's hard. You're not getting the business that you're, you normally get. You're not getting, um, the customers that you usually get, but we're here for you to help you move your business forward, to connect you with the rest of the world so that they, you know, so that they know that at least still in business, that we're still doing stuff. And um, here's how we're going to help you with that. With the associations, you know, if they had like an individual, individually, what they might be doing is saying, hey, you know, how do you upskill? How do you reskill? How do you do things to use, like, say, the tools that you have as someone who worked in the events industry or, you know, worked in destinations to then find something similar, something in a different industry even um, that will help you? This is your community. This is where you come to ha- for help. 
Mm-hmm. And what I was talking with them about is, you know, they're creating this online digital space that is like a source of trusted information. And so this is what they call a digital piazza because it's Italy and that's what they do there. <laughs> you know? It's their, it's their digital piazza and, and they want to be able to support their members, um, which are institution, their businesses, um, they're wanting to support them in a way where they're providing trusted information and chances to engage with other people outside of the industry who might be able to help build their business back up in different ways. So that that community, that collaboration piece, again, becomes the value. It then becomes the thing that people are going to them for. That's a great example. And, you know, I, I, it made me think of actually the very first interview I did for the shows with um, Laura Smith from Hertz. And she talked about uh, trust. They, for them, they had to translate visually safety standards, right? Mm-hmm. In their cars. And it also made me think of my conversation with Michael Roy from Alaska Airlines and a very obviously same thing um, where they had to, safety was um, very you know, closely related with trust. So I love this example. Also, you're talking about Italy. I'm just, it is my favorite country. (laughs) It's number one on my list when it's not COVID land anymore. And it's just Italy land again. I want to go to Italy land. (laughs) We should figure out some sort of excuse for me to go with you in a very business sense. And we'll go meet with this um, association. Community and trust and all of these things. We could do yeah, we could come virtually live, everyone else. Yeah, we can do a little market research in the real piazza to make the digital piazza because let's just let's keep the digital piazza. Let's not this get rid re- of it. research I'm behind, Sarah. I'm like, I'm totally behind this idea. <laughs> it's a hard job, but you know what? Someone has to do it. So, um, so just, oh gosh, I could talk to you for forever, but to kind of wrap things up, talk to me a little bit about some of the projects you're working on right now as much as you can, if you have to kind of keep things under wraps because of um, confidentiality, but I'd love, and tell us about your podcast too. You've been at this for a long time before everyone rushed into this space. I think even more so, you know, during COVID, but talk to me about that. So Association Chat's my online community and anyone who's interested in this really weird world that I just explained about associations, um, you can find out more at associationchat.com. But um, yeah, I have this podcast and, you know, it's Association Chat, started out as a tweet chat with the most pornographic sounding hashtag ever, ass in chat, ass in chat. And I lean into it. Okay. I lean into it. We didn't change it just because the character limit expanded leaning into it, ass in chat. But anyway, it, it moved into a, a, became a community um, over the years. And so it's been around for 12 years now. Um, wow. yeah. So it's on its way to becoming a teenager. And, you know, it's, it's really, I'm really proud of it. Uh, That's been going on. And I've been interviewing some really great people, um, you know, on, on the podcast, but then also, you know, I test new things in this, in this private community that I have. um, And all the time people are just coming together and figuring out new ways to do like virtual meetings and doing Mm -hmm. their hybrid events. So that's, that's been a big deal this past year. And then um, on my consulting front, um, I think one of the most exciting projects that I've been working on, and I can share this because, um, yeah, I've got permission to do it, but uh, (laughs) National Association of Gifted Children, I'm working on uh, with them. They're building a new community, an online community that is to uh, support, provide a, a 
place to collaborate for all of their members. And their members are researchers, parents, and educators. And so that's something that has been really meaningful for me because there are a lot of really, really good people that are involved in that. But, you know, um, the history of, you know, how do we know what's gifted? You know, how do we know who's gifted? And um, how how is all of that being determined? And how can we make that more equal for people who maybe English is a second language or maybe they're from different cultures? And these are all things that are on the forefront of uh, the NAGC's minds. And so um, I feel like I'm coming in to this project at a really, really important time where bringing their members together can actually make a huge impact on the futures for untold numbers of people, um, you know, and, and the direction that their lives take in the future. So that's, that's been a really exciting project for me. That sounds so rewarding. I love that. It's very inspiring um, as always to talk with you. There's, you're just a wealth of knowledge and there's just so much in this space too, that I really think uh, other organizations and businesses not only can le learn from, but should learn from because it's what matters. And I hopefully one of the things coming out of this last year is maybe this pause has given us a gift in terms of re-prioritizing um, um, how we're approaching um, our work and our whole selves and our lives. So um, Kiki, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Super excited to see you on your podcast and see what you do next. And just really appreciate your really valuable insights. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to our upcoming research trip to Italy. I'm, I'm right there with you. Let's go book that flight. <laughs> <laughs>